Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked working professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger and Skype, TV, and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Marshall Clarfield. He is an engineer graduate at Caltech. He studied under Richard Fenneman and uh, Zachariah Sitchin. And, of course, uh, Zachariah had been on the show many times. His current pursuit of the history of the Anunnaki has propelled him into the field of ancient history. And joining me now is Marshall Clarfield. Uh, and, uh, Marshall, thanks very much for joining us. Great having you back here on the show. It's been some time. It has, Robin. Thank you again for inviting me. I enjoy talking with you. Marshall, I understand that you were at the contact in the desert, and I was wondering if you could tell us what it was like. Well, it was one of the most amazing events. It was last weekend up at uh, Joshua Tree, which is just about an hour and a half from where I live in mm-hmm. La Quinta. 
And it was, to me, the the Woodstock of the UFO guys. <laughs> Everybody was there. It was just amazing. Uh, Greer was there and right. uh, George and you know all the, everybody that's been on the radio or television and has something to contribute to the story of our ancient ancestors, the Anunnaki, uh, were delighted to present their observations, their theories, and their uh, information, as I did. I lectured and had a workshop there. You know, tell us a little bit about the Anunnaki and the history behind them becoming such a prevalent concept in the world of ufology. Okay. First of all, I've got to tell you that everything I've read and studied and researched is based on Zacharias Hitchens' uh, books. Mm -hmm. uh, his theory uh, came into my uh, world in about 1997. I'd been searching most of my life for answers to where we came from. I had many theories and many dead ends that I arrived at, but finally when I discovered uh, The Twelfth Planet by Zachariah, I immediately put the pieces together and felt very comfortable that I could talk and go further on research uh, of what he exposed us all to, Rob. So uh, the Anunnaki, according to the translations from the cuneiform tablets as written by the Sumerians, were live sentient beings who coexisted with humans at a time of 4,600 years ago in a, a city called Yurk, which was the capital of Samaria which was the golden civilization created by the Anunnaki, and all of the first that they appeared with, archaeologists are, are mind-blown by the fact that a civilization emerges 6,000 years ago and mm -hmm. has all the major firsts. So my information that I talk about is all based on my own research, but primarily on the writings and the uh, translations by Zachariah Sitchins of that database. It's a huge database, as you know, Rob. Uh, there were over 300,000 cuneiform tablets found in the sands of Iraq, which was in the olden days Mesopotamia. Mm -hmm. And Zechariah translated over 2,000 of what he thought were the important the scientific ones. And from that uh, information, he de deciphered the cosmology of these extraterrestrials. He uh, gave us all the information that I report. And, you know, it's interesting. I know you've had him on the show. I don't know if you ever asked him the question, but when I had my interface, I spent 10 years uh, in writing back and forth and telephone calls with him. And uh, one day he said, Marshall, it's not a secret. I'm just a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall, stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute break. We'll be right back. ExoNation, Marshall Klarfeld is my special guest. His website is www.themissinglink.com. And we're talking about his new book entitled The Anunnaki Were Here. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. I'll be back with Marshall Klarfeld. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Marshall Klarfeld is my special guest this hour, and we're going to be talking about Marshall's new book, The Anunnaki Were Here. Marshall's website is www.adamthemissinglink.com. Marshall, where did the Anunnaki come from? Well, according to the translations, uh, they came from a planet called Nibiru, which was um, a free floating planet had probably been ejected from another star system, and it was captured by the uh, gravitational field of Neptune, brought into our solar system, and became a member, became the uh, tenth member of our solar system. It comes in every 3,600 years. When I say in, its orbit is 3,600-year elliptical, Mm -hmm. goes way out past the Oort belt, and then when it arrives towards the sun and the inner planets, it goes between... Uh, Jupiter and Mars, and that only happens about every 3,600 years. It's been recorded by, say, the last people that recorded it were the uh, Greeks, and the Greeks called it nemesis because if you can imagine the gravitational tug that exists when a new uh, body of that size comes close to Earth, mm-hmm. it has uh, effect on volcanoes and uh, tidal actions and all kinds of uh, bad things, and that's why the, the Greeks named it Nemesis. <laughs> T- tell me, Marshall, is there any physical uh, evidence of ETs actually being here on Earth? Yes, I think that in my first book, uh, Adam, the Missing Link, I mm-hmm. I approached it from a uh, tire kicker point of view. I'm a mechanical engineer, and I like to see how things work, Rob. So sure. I found, say, 14, 15 unexplainable uh, structures and objects that are here on planet Earth that nobody can really explain how they were built or why they were built or what they were used for. I mean, there have been many, many archaeologists over hundreds of years who tried to make explanations, and they've always used the local population as the answer of who did this. For instance, they say the Egyptians built the pyramids. Right. The pyramids are probably the classic example of a structure that's, you know, beyond belief in the way it was put together, particularly the Great Pyramid and all the passages and chambers that are inside of it and the the watertight nature of all of those uh, systems. So the proof to me that that there was an extraterrestrial civilization here with advanced technology, which it required, uh, comes from places like um, the pyramids at Giza and then the huge, humongous uh, megalithic stones at uh, Baalbek, Lebanon which uh, in the story of Gilgamesh was the landing platform where they came down and launched from. So we have records, we have stories, and if you piece it together the way Zachariah did it, uh, it made sense. At least it got me on the path of saying those are the answers I've been looking for, and I've been writing about it and lecturing ever since. Why did it take Zachariah Sitchin to bring all these pieces together? Well, I don't know exactly how many years he he got to the point where he published the first book, which was 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was called The Twelfth Planet, and he kind of laid out what he had discovered in his translations in that book. And it maybe took him, I don't know how many years to do that, but since then he produced over 15 books in mm-hmm. that 30-year period until he passed in the year 2010. And uh, each time he wrote articles, he had found new new discoveries. He kept uh, proving that there were, there was, an ancient extraterrestrial civilization that came to this planet 400,000 years ago, before there were humans, 
and that their purpose was, according to the tablet translations, the pursuit of gold. They were mining our gold, and they gave reasons for why they did that. But to prove that they were here, I think you have to look at you and me. We're a very special species, Rob. Mm -hmm. There's no connection that I've found, skeletal remains of evolution from the species that was here before us, which was Homo erectus. And if we had indeed evolved from Homo erectus, there should be skeletal remains uh, of the discovery of Homo sapiens 200,000 years ago in Southeast Africa. But let me, let me ask you this, Marshall. If, in sure. fact, the Anunnaki were here, shouldn't yes. there be skeletal remains of them as well that could certainly point to their existence? And, and how do we know Zachariah was, was right? Okay, those are two excellent questions. I'll answer the first one. Um, they were immortal, according to this text, and they didn't die. So it would be very rare that we would find any of the Anunnaki skeletons. We found gigantic skeletons, but I don't think they were pure blood. blood Anunnaki, excuse me. They were mixed races like, I mean, mixed species like uh, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh's mm-hmm. mother was an Anunnaki queen, and his father was human, and he was two-thirds Anunnaki. He was probably nine feet tall. And uh, he was giant, as was uh, Goliath in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The re- to find skeletal remains to prove the Anunnaki were here, I don't think we are going to find that because I don't think they, uh, if they did die, they were given special uh, treatment by their uh, clans and they would never be left here on Earth or buried here on Earth. Oh, all right, <laughs> but that the part of the world where the Anunnaki were supposed to have landed and and mined for gold yes isn't as rich as other parts of the world why well, would they here. why would they settle for sub rich areas in iran for gold when there are other parts of the world that have uh, well the story that i got mm-hmm. from from sitchin rob was that they were mining in the persian gulf they landed in the persian gulf which mm-hmm. was in, uh, plaster gold down the Tigris Euphrates River from the gold that was in Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, north. And they couldn't get very much. They got a bunch of other stuff besides the gold. So they went for the veins. And the veins that they found were in southeast Africa, Johannesburg. It's pretty and rich. Two, two miles down, the richest gold field mm-hmm. in, on the planet Earth. And they were mining it subterranean mm-hmm. down there. Had, in order to make that a transportable to take it back to Nibiru, which is where it was needed to close the ozone leak in their planet, which is the story they gave us. Um, they had to smelt it. You know, they had to build cities uh, in Mesopotamia where they could take the ore and then they could crush it and process it and smelt it and put it into uh, bricks, probably gold bricks, that transport it on their ships back to the uh, home right. planet. Okay, but if they could traverse space, and if they yes. were this highly advanced race, as, as Sitchin would like us to believe. Why did they have to result in, why did they have to mine gold in traditional ways instead of using high-tech ways? Because we don't know their technology, Rob. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's where they, you come to the point where you say, well, you know, what were the tools they used? How did they get right. it out of the ground? We have no evidence of their technology. We see the results. There are some... 100,000-year-old uh, mine shafts in mm-hmm. Southeast Africa that they that we didn't cut. Wait wait a sec, 100,000? And you said they no, were... No, 100,000-year-old 
Okay, uh, so if there's... Yeah. A, all right, now you said earlier that the Anunnaki were here 4,600 years ago. So how Four, come... 400,000. 400,000 was the year that Zechariah gave oh, us. Oh, okay. Landing, and, and they were 200,000 years doing it themselves, however they did it. I, don't, I cannot tell you because I wasn't there, and I haven't found any physical evidence of the tooling that they used because it had to be like a civilization, let's say, is a million years more advanced than we are. How long, do, how long were the Anunnaki supposed to be on this planet doing all this mining? Well, it, it, to me it appears it, it went all the way up to about uh, several thousand years ago. So it so went from, so, from 400,000 to about uh, 2,000, 3,000 years ago when they supposedly phased off the planet. And they, they changed, you know, when the flood came, Rob, and say, say yeah. the flood we, we might have been 11,000 years ago, right? Uh, all right, hold on here. I'm, try, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to formulate a, a timeline. So, okay. So how long do you, do you say that they were on this planet for? I didn't say that how long they were on this planet, Rob. Okay. Uh, all right, so how long, did Sitch, how long did Sitchin say that the Anunnaki were on this planet? He, he figured they were here about 432,000 years ago. That's as close as he came. And they stayed here all that time until about uh, two, three thousand years ago when they phased off. So we're talking approximately four hundred and twenty-nine thousand years they were on this planet, give or take, according to Sitchin. Yeah. Okay. Now, if they required all this gold that they mined for four hundred and twenty-nine thousand years to right. fix the ozone layer on their planet, that makes no sense at all. Didn't make any sense to me either. And matter of fact, Rob, I posed that question to Zachariah uh, uh -huh. before he was done. I said, you know, I think they're spinning us in these uh, tablets. Uh, you know, the, the victors write the stories. Exactly. They wrote the story, and we've we've uh, had to go by that. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, same question I asked him. I said, you know, that's a lot of gold overall. And they didn't need that much gold to close the oils. And do you think they did something else with it, like monatomic gold? Mm -hmm. I threw that at him. Guess what he answered? I don't know. He said, Marshall, the record speaks for itself. He wouldn't go off the track of what he had translated. In other words, he wasn't willing to speculate. Yeah. Let me, like I, let, me ask, let, me, let me ask you this, because we've got to take a commercial break in a few seconds. Sure. Did, has anyone else besides Zacharias Sitchin translated these Sumerian writings? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's maybe 200 people that have taught themselves how to translate Samarian. And they all concur with uh, Zachariah's findings? No. No, there are some that claim that uh, he didn't translate it properly. So how do we know what he told us and wrote about was right? Because if you put it together, if you're a scholar and you look at the history in the Bible, you mm -hmm. know, up until people like Zachariah brought us information before the Bible, we had the history of the Bible, and we had to kind of piece together what was going on. But there were things in the Bible that were a mystery, like Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the flood story. How did we get all those animals on that one little boat? Well, we, well we, we know for a fact that, that never happened the way it was written in the Bible. That's right. But we found a cuneiform tablet. The 11th tablet of the Epic of Gilgamesh mm -hmm. describes exactly the flood story that parallels the biblical story. But all right. Stand, stand by. I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. An interesting topic. I've got to okay. tell. I've got to tell you. This is one, one topic I have never agreed with. It makes no sense to me. Maybe Marshall can help me better understand it when we come back from the news. 
My name is okay. Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back. Don't go away. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the Exxon. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Cease to Fields Organic Vineyard in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one. Are you ready to learn the business skills you need to accelerate your career? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business is now offering its highly ranked working professional MBA entirely online. Whether you choose to attend on-campus, online, or a mix of both, you're in control, balancing the demands on your busy schedule. Don't wait. Start your personalized MBA journey this fall. Visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA to learn more and apply. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Are you passionate about your professional future but not sure what's next? The Ohio State University Fisher College of Business can take your education and career to the next level with its highly ranked working professional MBA. With flexibility to earn a degree entirely on campus, online, or a mix of both, an MBA from Ohio State is more accessible than ever. To get started, visit go.osu.edu slash WPMBA. The Ohio State University Max M. Fisher College of Business, where principled leaders are created. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. And paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes. It was a light coming down from the sky I don't know who or why Must be those strangers that come every night Those saucer-shaped lights put people up tight Leave blue-green footprints that glow in the dark I hope they get home all right Hey and welcome back, everyone. Marshall Klarfeld is our special guest this hour. We're talking about the Anunnaki, and uh, Marshall has a new book out. It's entitled The Anunnaki Were Here, and his website is www.adamthemissinglink.com. Marshall, as I said just as we were getting ready to go to the break, I this is one of the most controversial topics that I have a hard time turning, you know, putting my head around. The, yeah, fig- okay, the, the figures just don't make background. The, figu- the figures just don't make sense to me. Well, in the beginning, I, I wrote Adam the Missing Link to try to disprove Zachariah's theory. That's mm-hmm. really my motivation because I didn't believe all of it either. And by the time I finished the book, Rob, yeah. I became a 
a, a devoted believer because my mind is very special. It, it takes things apart, wants to see how they work, and puts them back together. Mm-hmm. And if they work, if they prove themselves, then I have to accept it as a truth. Now, there are a lot of naysayers that say that, you know, he didn't make this word translate properly, and I think most of those folks may be faith-based. They're trying to, you know, hang on to their faith base. There's a whole group called Intelligent Design that is trying to get the Bible taught again in the schools. Yeah. But I don't have any quarrel with those folks. I think that they should give the kids an opportunity to make their own choice. In other words, I think schools should actually teach evolution, they should teach the Bible, and they mm-hmm. should teach genetic engineering, and let the kids make up their own minds what they want to believe. I'm not, I'm not preaching genetic engineering. I just happen to believe that that's what happened because the facts fit into place for me. All right. Now, when it comes to Zachariah Sitchin, uh, for our listeners, what were his credentials? Zachariah was a student of the Bible. He uh, was like, kind of like, you know, uh, Einstein. Einstein was a, a physicist who uh, couldn't get a job, so mm-hmm. he went to work in the patent office. Uh, Zachariah had uh, apparently when he was young, read the Genesis 6-4 where it says the Nephilim were upon the earth right. in those days. And he, he says, he told me, he says, every time he asked his teachers who the Nephilim were, he got whacked. He says, you don't ask that question. So he was up against some curiosity and some teachings that were, it was a Hebrew school. It was a, you know, right. he, was, he was a scholar. He could read the Bible in the original Hebrew text. And because he was able to uh, translate cuneiform, which is You know, each letter, and there are no vowels, they're all consonants, mean five different things, Rob. Mm -hmm. And uh, putting the cosmology together and the cylinder seals and the cuneiform tablets, I've gone through this step by step with him, and I've questioned him all along the way. And I am a believer. In fact, my role right now, since Zachariah is no longer with us, is I'm his disciple. And I'll take on anybody and everybody in in an intelligent discussion about the Anunnaki, and our inheritance, where we came from. See, our species appears magically 200,000 years ago in Southeast Africa, exactly where the the Sitchin translations say that they performed this uh, cloning operation to create Adam. Uh, All right, but when I was asking you about uh, Sitchin's credentials, did he hold any degrees? Was he an archaeologist? You know, so... I don't think degrees really make a lot. You know, I'm not an archaeologist either. Right, but well, let's, let's, you know, there, there, you know <laughs> there, there are people who disagree with what Sitchin said, including uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. Now, this yes, guy I this know. guy here, he's got an MA. He's, he's a PhD in uh, Hebrew, Bible, and ancient Semitic languages from the University of Wisconsin. His his and you know, I think he's entitled to say whatever he wants to say. He has his own agenda. What is it then? Uh, is a faith-based guy. Okay, so what about Zacharias Sitchin? What was his agenda? I think he had a, a mind that was a questioning mind, like mine. He wanted to know what the truth was. He had questions that he didn't know answers to, so he pursued the information that was there, the database of mm-hmm. these 300,000 uh, clay tablets that were written over six, 8,000 years ago and uh, figured out, you know, there's still people trying to figure out the Mayan cuneiform, so it's a difficult language to crack. But he traced for me uh, an intelligent, advanced space-age civilization that was here on this planet before Mm -hmm. there were humans. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, I've heard that. I've heard that theory many times. Now, just just for my own, just for my for my own information, how often does Nibiru come back to Earth, or within the uh, within the? Um... Recorded, Rob. There is recorded in civilizations starting with the Sumerians, with the Assyrians, uh, and yeah. with the Babylonians, and you know, every thirty six hundred years, there is a civilization around that sees it and records it, and they Third. give it their own. It has different names. In, the, in my book, Adam, mm-hmm. The Missing Link, I give about 10 uh, civilizations that named it. And the last one that gave it a name were the Greeks, and they called it Nemesis. Okay, it? now, if that's the case, where the Anunnaki were on this planet for 429,000 years, that meant that Nibiru came within this orbital path 119 times. If, in fact, their ozone was being depleted and that they were on this planet mining gold to replenish their or to fix their their right. ozone layer, the right. figures don't make sense. How so? Well, for example, if they were here for 432,000 years or 429,000 years... Ever. You know, listen. Okay. What would happen... Uh, it, it, they were on this planet mining. How would they get the gold to Nibiru? If it only comes in this area once every three thousand six hundred or three thousand nine hundred years, and why? What? How come their their ozone layer wasn't totally depleted over four hundred and thirty-two thousand years? Well, I can't answer those questions. So, for you. all right, you, you can't. You can't. And I, don't, you, I have no record. All I have to tell people is what is uh, written down in a. Uh, library, you know, these, these ancient kings kept libraries of uh-huh. these uh, cuneiform tablets. It's like the Library of Alexander. Every scholar in the world went to Alexandria to read the text that everybody else oh, had Oh, okay. Written. Marshall, I understand that. I understand oh. that you're, you're a Sitchin devotee. But well, I'm, where, I'm a- where is the proof? All you, all, everybody's just taking the Anunnaki based on what Sitchin says. No, no, that's not true, Rob. Well, who else? Uh, who else? Who right. else is you, actually? Who else is actually? How do you explain, Rob, uh, the pyramids? You got an explanation for them? I how believe. I believe. Listen. Can you explain a stone that's uh, twelve hundred tons? Three of them lifted and carried and transported. You know in what? The air. I I don't I I think that there are so many people out there who discredit the human race that it's appalling. You know, like not everything that. I don't you think can't it's understand right? the human race. I just, just think that we are a very young species on this planet. We're only 200,000 years old, and we started from scratch, and we're walking on the moon in uh, 1969. All right, now, so if, we if, we, if we've only been here for 200,000 years, the Anunnaki were here for 432,000 years. Once again, your figures don't match. What do you mean? They don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Let, let, let's look at the timeline as I understand it. The Anunnaki sure. were here for 429,000 years mining gold. In 432,000 years, if they hadn't depleted this planet of all the gold, something is wrong somewhere. If the Anunnaki... Well, how do you know how Wait a second, mining? please. Hold on here. Sure. If the Anunnaki were here and they were responsible for the genetic manipulation of human beings to do the mining, why would they need to invent or create humans to do the mining if they were this advanced where they could actually go from one planet to another and fix their ozone layer. And if they're that great, and if they were that smart, 
why would it take 432,000 years to fix the ozone layer of their planet? Maybe they were spinning us. Or, may, all, or, or maybe Sitchin and other people are, are spinning us. Pardon? I said maybe it's Sitchin who was doing the spinning. I don't think so. You can you can say and believe what you want. I, I had to prove it to myself. I'm a tire kicker, and I've... How did you uh, prove it? Eighteen years old, I wanted to know where we came from because I knew we were a special mm-hmm. species. And I asked my physics professor, Richard Feynman, yeah. who eventually became the Einstein of my generation, and I'm a lot older than most folks think. Anyway, I asked him if he believed in UFOs. I went to Caltech in 1947. Mm-hmm. And that was the year Roswell happened, and the word UFO came into our language. And in mm-hmm. the houses, right, my undergraduate buddies, we, all we talked about was UFOs. That mm-hmm. was in 1947 to 1951 when I graduated from Caltech. And I also had the privilege of being taught chemistry by Linus Pauling, another Nobel laureate. Mm-hmm. And the answer to the question of UFOs, do you believe in UFOs, Dr. Feynman, is published in my book, Adam, the Missing Link, as is. The answer to the question when I asked Linus Pauling, sir, do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. Two answers stuck with me for many, many years, Rob, and I think it's part of the puzzle that most people have to really ask themselves. Where did we come from? Is the biblical answer to where we came from the truth, or is there another story? And I think you, as an intelligent human being, probably have asked yourself the same question, because there's some unanswered uh, data out there. There's monuments, 14 mm-hmm. to uh, monuments around the planet that are unexplainable. There's stone structures that are put together so beautifully mm-hmm. without masonry that to me it had to be an advanced te- technology. Uh, you know, the facts are what I base my uh, belief on. Oh, all right. Let me ask. Let me ask you this: Are sure. what facts do you have that? I'm talking about facts, not hypothesis here. Facts, evidence that the pyramids were created, were built by extraterrestrials and not humans. Okay. My new book, uh, The Anunnaki Were Here, I explain what I think the interior of the Great Pyramid was all about. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interior of the Great Pyramid is one of the most fascinating structures that many scientists have tried to explain for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. I think I found the answer because I researched it from the fact that every chamber inside uh, and every passageway was watertight. And I wondered to myself, why would they take the trouble, whoever built this magnificent structure, to build an Mm -hmm. internal a set of passages, that are the, the, the Grand Gallery, the Descending Passage, the Queen's Chamber, the King's Chamber, all are watertight, Rob. And if you read my book and you see the new theory I have, it will give you some facts that you may open your eyes about because uh, there were some very, very advanced people in the Egyptians' tool. The tooling that we know the Egyptians had were bronze and mm-hmm. copper tools. The stones inside the Great Pyramid are granite and they're highly polished, and they're 70 to 80 tons. And transporting them up into the positions they were inside while you're building this magnificent structure was something that I don't think our technology today could do. So you have to say, well, you know, who the heck did that, and how could they do it, and why did they do it? And my question, why, mm-hmm. I explain my new theory, which is called washboard gold mining. I think that the Anunnaki... Uh, found an easier way to collect gold than digging it out of the ground. They separated it out of placer water. And the steppe pyramids in Mesoamerica, mm-hmm. Chichen Itza, 
Planeke. Uh, I can go on and on to name the number of step pyramids that were built all without masonry, uh-huh. washboard gold mining. Machu Picchu, in my book, I describe as a huge washboard gold mining operation built by an advanced civilization. The Incas didn't have the tools to cut a granite mountaintop and make this structure up there. just impossible. So the answer is maybe I'm right. I don't say exactly but that I'm may- right. I'm- but maybe you're wrong. I could be wrong. And what I've been challenging the scientific community, Rob, mm-hmm. is to prove me because this well, theory is is, isn't, it, isn't it up to the person who comes up with the theory to prove they're right, not everybody else to prove they're wrong? That's right. And Einstein, you know, put out E. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Einstein. I'm talking about Marshall Klarfeld. Okay, my theory, I'm going to prove it, Rob, because I'm making a documentary film. I've got to get the raise the money to make it mm-hmm. on my Kickstarter site. But I'm going to go and make this film complete mm-hmm. it. There's minutes of the beginning on my Kickstarter site. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah, go on. But I'm going to prove it. In other words, with the money that I raised to complete the film, I'm going to go to these and try to prove my theory because I'm like you. I just don't put it out there and say, you know, disprove me. I'm going to try to prove it because Feynman taught me that if you can have a theory and you Mm -hmm. do the math and it fits, you must do experimental Findings to prove the theory is correct. If you can't experimentally prove it, it isn't a theory. It's it's worthless. And that's what I'm going to do. All right, Marshall, our time is up for tonight. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I, I wish you much success. Um, and I'll uh, I'll keep my eyes open and see what's happening. Well, Exonation, new- Exonation Marshall Klarfeld is my guest this hour. His website is www.adamthemissinglink.com. Dot com. That's www.adamthemissinglink.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with my hypothesis on uh, this past hour. I'll be back. Don't go away. I don't know who or why. Must be those strangers that come every night. Those saucer-shaped lights put people uptight. Leave blue-green footprints that glow in the dark. I hope they get home all right. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along? I won't do anything wrong. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along for a ride? That music means, don't we, Exonation? All right, here's my problem with Marshall Klarfeld's um, Anunnaki. First of all, I don't like it when people come on the show and they start promoting their kickstart. I don't, I don't agree with that. Hey, if you're that good, if you've got such a great idea, raise the money, but don't pander to my listeners, number one. Number two, 
429,000 years these Anunnaki were supposed to be on this planet. Why were they here? Well, they were here to mine gold because their ozone layer on their home planet was <sighs> depleted. And they figured that the gold would fix the problem. That means for 430 or 429,000 years, they were on this planet ripping us off, pilfering us, if it is true, and I don't think it is. Um, and uh, their own planet that only comes by every 3,600 years only would make passes over that 429,000 years 119 times. If their ozone layer was that bad that they needed to go to another planet to steal its gold to fix their ozone layer, don't you think in 432,000 years the problem would become irreparable? Come on. Oh, but it's got to be true because Sitchin, God rest his soul, he knew what he was talking about. The guy wasn't, you know, the guy had no degrees. And yet professionals with degrees coming out of their yin-yang think he's full of crap. They dispute him. In fact, there are several people who disagreed with him, including Dr. Michael S. Heiser, who challenged de, uh, to debate Sitchin or anyone else who promotes his idea. But nobody will. I don't know ExoNation. I don't buy the Anunnaki. I don't buy Planet X. I don't buy Nibiru. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that the Great Pyramids were uh, a way for the Anunnaki to, to, uh, to mine gold. If these, if these space travelers were so smart, wouldn't they have better technology than a pyramid to mine their gold and to, you know, to extract gold from the stone? Am I wrong? Send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. It's that simple. But according to this guy, and I've been listening to people like Marshall Klarfeld for 21, 22 years now, if it doesn't make sense, if the math doesn't work out, if there's no physical evidence or proof to substantiate the hypothesis, you know what? There's only one place in my book where that belongs. We all know what that is. I don't buy it. I really don't buy it. Mind you, I, I might be wrong, like he might be right. However, the numbers are on my side. Another one bites the dust here on the Exxon. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. And watch out for your gold that the Anunnaki don't come and take it. <laughs> 